You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace and blessings of God be upon you, and welcome to another edition of the Pathway to Peace Show here on the Voice of Islam Radio, a show where we take an analytical look at how we can achieve peace, whether that be political peace, economic peace, societal peace, or inner peace. I invite you to get involved in the conversation here on the Pathway to Peace show. You can do this by tweeting at Voice of Islam UK using the hashtag VOI Peace. That's VOI for Voice of Islam, followed by the word peace. Hashtag VOI Peace to let us know your thoughts. Today, we relive five inaugurations of new mosques in Germany that His Holiness, the fifth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, addressed as part of his Germany tour in September 2023. But first, let's take a moment to reflect on the thought-provoking words of renowned German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche, who in 1882 famously proclaimed, God is dead. This declaration ignited a discourse on faith's role in the evolving world, sparking discussions and reflections that continue to shape our society. In 2012, more recently, The Guardian referred to Germany as the most godless place on earth, shedding light on the changing religious landscape. Yet how intriguing it is that amidst these changes, Islam Ahmadiyyat is thriving and spreading at an unprecedented pace in Germany, with mosques standing as symbols of hope, peace and unity as the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in Germany has a mission that was set out by the fourth caliph, Hazrat Mirza Tahir Ahmed, may God have mercy on his soul, who was the fourth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, to build 100 mosques in Germany. Today we'll be exploring the most recent steps taken toward the 100 mosque projects as we discuss the inauguration of five remarkable mosques each a testament to resilience and faith. Now, joining me as always is my peaceful pal and distinguished co-host, Mr. Arif Khan. Assalamu alaikum, Arif, peace be upon you. Over the course of about two weeks in Germany, His Holiness not only delivered four speeches at the annual convention, which we talked about uh, a few weeks ago on this very program, but also delivered a unique talk at each of these five mosque openings. Quite remarkable, isn't it? Walaikum salam. Peace be upon you and to all of our listeners. Yeah, I mean, if you, I remember when I was, uh, when we were preparing for the show and we were receiving, um, you know, through messages, social media, we were getting links to the latest speech on the mosque inauguration. And then, then, then there was another one. Then yeah. a few days later, there was another one. Then a few days later, there was another one. It's it's a relentless, the pace at which um, this this work was being done. And if you think back to when His Holiness toured the America, there were some mosque inaugurations then. If you think back to even a few years ago in the UK, there were a few inaugurations then. But I can never remember five inaugurations in such a short space of time. This was literally, as you mentioned, within the space of about um, you know un- like two weeks, really. And as you said as well, it was after a grueling three-day 
you know convention that drew over forty thousand people. So it it is remarkable, and you know I can't wait for us to delve into what was covered here specifically for you know the German audience uh, that were there in front of His Holiness as he was doing these speeches. Yeah, it's a, it's fan- fascinating. I mean, you you think about His Holiness's already busy jam packed schedule, and just to take people back to the end of August, he left the UK and uh, arrived in Germany. And I think a couple days after arrival, he immediately traveled 31 miles from the headquarters in Frankfurt and went to a city, and I don't know how many pronounce these names, but Florstadt, you said yeah. it better than I did. Um, it traveled 31 miles northeast uh, of Frankfurt to inaugurate that mosque. And we'll get into the details of that speech here mm-hmm. momentarily. Then two days later, uh, back from Frankfurt, traveled another 12 miles uh, to inaugurate a mosque in Carbon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this was probably midweek. Uh, I don't remember the exact date. Well, day. I've got a calendar right with me. So that would have been the Wednesday that was. The, the Wednesday before Wednesday. the Wednesday before the Jalsa Salana Correct. in Germany in yep. 2023. So then that weekend, he traveled 134 miles south to Stuttgart. Where uh, you were, right? Yeah, where, where the Jalsa yeah, Salana took place, the annual convention. And then the Jalsa ended on the 3rd. He went back to Frankfurt. And then on the 5th, came almost back down to Stuttgart again, but this time going into Weiblingen yep. on the 5th of September, approximately 132 miles. So if you're racking up miles here, yep. His Holiness is, is on track to set maybe a record here. Uh, 132 miles again south. And then back to Frankfurt uh, on the 9th, another 50 miles uh, southwest of Frankfurt to inaugurate Frankenthal, and then ended his tour on the 11th of September from from a mosque inauguration standpoint. He still still, um, had another day in in Germany before he left back for London, uh, but inaugurated the final mosque on this tour, 2023 German tour, on the 11th of September in Funkstad, which is another 22 miles, and then drove all the way back, seven, eight hours. Uh, so if you just think of that a lot of from, a, from a human perspective of all that travel in that short amount of time, it, I think it's important for our listeners to understand that, you know, His Holiness is a human being, but he has an immense amount of work on his, on his desk. Uh, and then on top of that, fitting in all this travel to be able to go to every single location, meet new people, meet new faces, and give an address, a unique address. And, and what we've done here is, is try to give you the unique aspects of each of the, of the addresses. So over the next hour, we'll be digging into that. But let's get right into it, Arif. Um, I mean, and we're not going to cover it in depth, uh, fully in depth. I invite our listeners to, there's multiple ways to kind of get more context to these. They're all available on Muslim Television Ahmadiyya. If you go to the YouTube channel, MTA Online One, uh, you can see all of these addresses in their full versions. Um, they are trans- translated into various languages. Uh, so His Holiness delivered all of these addresses in the Urdu language. Uh, and they're also available on the reviewofreligions.org. And a summary is also present on Al-Hakam, uh, an online magazine of the community as well. So we invite all of you to go check those sources out. But let's start in Florstad on the 28th of August, where His Holiness inaugurated the mosque there uh, and one of the things he said one of the first things he said is it is impossible for a person who fulfills the rights of a mosque to act in a manner that 
prevents him from fulfilling the rights of Allah's worship and the rights of other people. So again, are along the same lines of kind of the theme that has been developing uh, and something that he also talked about at the annual convention is about fulfilling the rights. Now here there's a link between fulfilling the rights of the mosques and how that ties into fulfilling the rights of, of God. Exactly. And like you said, this was a con- permanent theme that His Holiness has talked about in terms of different categories of people, of society, orphans, parents, children, the poor, um, those in debt, those who are giving out loans to others, those business owners, all of these different categories. His Holiness explained the Islamic teaching for that particular group or category of people. And in here, like you said, in this address, he, what he was uh, drawing parallels between are, you know, the rights of those that the mosques link with worship, but also the fact that there's a surrounding community around that mosque. And this is a recurring theme that, you know, the the, the people using the mosque also have a, a right, also have an obligation to those living in and around the area as well when they do establish these mosques. And he went into more detail on what those rights really are, such as to neighbors, etc. Yeah, he, he uh, quoted from the Holy Quran quite a bit and mentioned that the Holy Quran has instructed Muslims to be firm towards disbelievers and respond to them sternly. It does not instruct Muslims to protect their own religion, which was, which is actually quite interesting and is oftentimes an allegation leveled against Islam, Arif, isn't it? That that Muslims only, uh, well, a lot of people say that that Islam, God forbid, uh, started offensive wars, but we all we know uh, very well from historical facts that it was always defensive wars. But these wars, and His Holiness was alluding to this, is that these world wars were not fought just to protect Islam, but rather to protect religion as a whole. Yeah, and the, the verse that, um, I'm just trying to look it up as we're speaking, the verse in the Holy Quran where um, fighting is permitted, it specifically says fighting is permitted to those upon whom war has been declared and just purely from the fact that they say we believe in God and his messenger. So saying that first of all, it's those people against whom there is aggression purely for their faith, purely because they believe in God and say that, um, you know, believe in Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. And then it goes on to say that if God did not have one group of people, um, you know, repel the other people, it would lead to not just mosques, but churches, synagogues and cloisters are explicitly mentioned in that verse of the Quran. And it goes on to say where the name of God is often remembered. So that is a direct verse from the Holy Quran where it highlights that this injunction to repel the aggressors is to protect all places of worship. Um, So that is where that fundamental belief kind of comes from. It comes from that key verse of the Holy Quran. And as you mentioned, it extends beyond just from Muslims. It it requires Muslims to protect, you know, the places of worships of other, other religions as well. Now, sadly, in the world we live in today, some Muslims desecrate other places of worship, so-called Muslims desecrate other places of worship. But this verse is so clear that actually protecting churches, cloisters, synagogues is absolutely a fundamental part of Islam. So any group, you know, bombing or attacking other uh, places of worship belonging to other faiths, that has, that has no link with the true teaching of Islam. Yeah, exactly. And continuing on, you mentioned earlier, alluded to neighbors, Arif, and His Holiness spent quite a bit of time in his address at the Florstad inauguration uh, talking about the rights of neighbors now, uh, defining kind of what a neighbor entails and, and making mention of the fact that it's not just your immediate neighbor, but that that extends out to 40 neighbors in each direction. And then you can take that even further when you think of it on a on a larger scale, when you think of a city and you think of the neighboring cities, the 40 cities out, and you take take that and go to the country level, and then you can even go international level. And His Holiness 
in various speeches has often referred to the term that we all know about being a global village. Yeah, yeah. And this teaching in Islam about neighbors kind of encompasses all of that, doesn't it, Arif? Yeah, I was just going to use that term right now. It's like, you know, maybe previously neighbors may have referred to people that you are physically quite close to. But now in the days of international travel and, you know, like you said, the whole world is so connected that you are aware of suffering that is occurring across the other side of the globe. So, you know, that counts as your neighbors as well, people that are suffering and people where you can actually do something about, whether that's giving a donation online or et cetera. Um, you know, there are ways where you can have an impact. So your immediate neighbors now is a much broader concept. Yeah. His Holiness then went on to talk about the location of the mosque and he did this at a couple of places in a couple of the speeches that he gave at these inaugurations but in uh, in Florstad in particular he mentioned that the significance of the mosque being in a commercial area is the fact that because in a commercial area is where materialism often prevails and his holiness believes that a place of worship in a commercial area actually serves a purpose because it reminds people uh, of their creator amidst uh, worldly transactions, which I, th I thought this was particularly interesting, Arif, and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on, you know, building mosques in places where there's other kind of materialistic things and transactions happening. What do you think of that? Well, this reminded me, so I, uh, this is a really fascinating insight. And what it reminded me of, if you think about the origins of Islam, you think about Mecca being a hub for trade. You think about the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, being a tradesman. This idea of, of trade being around hustle and bustle happening in Mecca and then them stopping and, and breaking for prayers is something that is kind of part of how Islam originated. Um, and, and, you know, when you hear about the teaching around Friday and the time where we have the Friday verse, Friday sermon, Muslims are instructed to close their businesses, their trade for that period of time. So it's a reminder, Islam doesn't... Um, because Islam shuns interest, you know, sometimes people may think uh, its view on trade is slightly different or maybe it's slightly anti-trade or anti-free trade. Actually, like commerce is encouraged. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him himself, we, we know was, was a, a trader effectively. And so Islam teaches, yes, you know, like we said at the start, your rights to men and your rights to God. When it's time for trading and doing so in a wholesome way. That is absolutely forbidden and encouraged in terms of building, uh, you know, building companies and expanding and providing for people. But when it's time for prayers, then close your businesses, pause trade for that period of time and then reopen it. So I, I and I like the idea of it being centralized, you know, in that same area, having the mosque nearby. It's not something off to the side that is a side thought and afterthought in the evening thought. It's something that is part of the very essence of your daily routine. So it's a nice insight there. I mean, and if you even think about it um, here in the UK, yeah. I mean, where we're sitting in the studio right yeah. now uh, in, in southwest London, it's kind of amidst all of the other kind of central uh, areas in this town of Morden, isn't it? It's it's. And also when, when the pre-pandemic, when everyone was office-based, I used to go for the, the members of the community who would work right in central London in the financial district. Mm. There were areas where we had rented areas where we would be able to offer the Friday prayer as well. And it was interesting. You would see people dressed in their suits and everything just on their lunch break coming for their prayers during that period of time right in the center, somewhere nearby, where they were able to come do that and then go back to their places of work. Yeah, yeah, that was really interesting that you drew that. And it's not even an analogy. It's actually it actually happens because the the, the uh, where the Friday prayer is located, bang in the middle of the day, you're kind of forced to kind of yep. stop, take a break, uh, fulfill your rights to God, 
perform your worship and then go back to trade and business. So we are discussing the inaugural address of His Holiness that took place on the 20th of August, 2023 in Florstad. Uh, we have four more addresses to get through. Uh, over the course of the next 40 <laughs> minutes or so. Uh, just to kind of summarize uh, the rest of the address in Florstad, uh, His Holiness talked about worship going beyond prayer, that it fulfills, that it's about fulfilling the rights of others that we've talked about. Uh, he talked about justice, as has been another theme uh, throughout his whole caliphate over the last uh, two decades now, uh, about raising your voices against injustices and helping the oppressed and the oppressors. And then and toward the end of the address, he set out a vision for the mosque in Florstad and said that uh, it, he, he hopes and prays that it becomes a symbol of peace, love, and affection, and that the Ahmadis, the Ahmadi Muslims, that is, should be known for their high moral standards and their commitment to peace, which is essential in today's world. I think this is really, really powerful, Arif, in that His Holiness makes it a point, it, it seems, that in every address where there are outsiders, he not only addresses the outsiders, but also addresses his own followers and reminds them in front of a public audience that, you know, you have a responsibility now. You have to up your game. You have to up your, your morals, your standards, and your commitment uh, to uh, to your faith, but then also to the community around you as well. Yeah, and to do justice. You've been blessed with this wonderful building. Make use of it. And by doing it in that way, that open way, that, you know, the audience get to hear as well what he expects of his community. I want to just read, I, uh, to, so I paraphrased earlier those verses of the Holy Quran. I'd just like to read them exactly. So there were verses 22, so chapter 22, verse 40, which says, permission to fight is given to those against whom war is made because they have been wronged and indeed, and Allah indeed has the power to help them. Chapter 40, sorry, verse 41 goes on to say, those who have been driven out of their homes unjustly only because they said our Lord is Allah. And if Allah did not repel some men by means of others, they would surely have pulled down cloisters, churches and synagogues and mosques wherein the name of Allah is oft commemorated. Thank you for that. You are listening to the Pathway to Peace show here on the Voice of Islam radio. Be sure to follow at Voice of Islam UK on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and TikTok. Use the hashtag VOIPs to send us your thoughts comments and feedback. We are moving along uh, now to the 30th of August 2023, where His Holiness uh, went to a town called Carbon. I hope I'm saying that right, uh, and gave another address uh, to inaugurate this mosque. This is all part of the, the grand scheme that we set out at the, at the beginning of the show, where I talked about the fourth caliph who originally laid the foundations for the scheme of uh, and, and basically challenged the Germany Ahmadi Muslim community to build a hundred mosques. Uh, didn't really set a time frame, but said this should be the goal, that the mosque should be across the German German uh, skyline. You should see a mosque in, in, in every uh, major place, uh, city, town, or even in uh, remote countryside. But Germany is well on its way to establishing that, and this uh, town of Carbon was lucky to open its mosque on the 2023 Germany tour by His Holiness. And His Holiness said uh, to start off initially, uh, he talked about some opposition and he said that there were some people who opposed this mosque. They had observed the actions of certain Muslims. They observed that there is extremism amongst Muslims. They observed that in most Muslim countries, the rights of others have not been observed. So perhaps they had some reservations owing to this. However, when they see our mosque, when they observe the conduct of our Ahmadis, and when they observe the true Islam, their doubts and reservations will only be dispelled. So His Holiness uh, 
accepted the fact that the visitors that were visiting this mosque maybe for the first time, obviously for the first time, but coming and joining as in a celebration with the Ahmadiyya Muslim community of that area, they may have had some reservations. His Holiness acknowledged that, acknowledged the reason why they may have these reservations and said that we are here to kind of dispel those reservations. And by you allowing us to have this mosque here, um, you know, you give us the opportunity to demonstrate the true teachings of Islam. And he does that very often, doesn't he, His Holiness? He will, he will always recognize the open-mindedness of people who attend our events. Maybe it's the first time they've come to any Muslim event or any mosque. He will always recognize, look, the fact that you are open enough to accept our invitation and come to a mosque shows that you are, you know, that you are open-minded. He will always recognize that and thank them for that. Then he will go on to explain you know, how we differentiate. And I think it's a theme we've seen when often there is some opposition or there can be opposition. And then over time, as they people get to understand the community and get to know us, um, you know, that changes. And one thing I want to highlight, he doesn't say, it's not saying that, you know, um, yes, there are some Muslims that act in this way, but we don't act in that way. We don't, we don't believe those things or we don't act in that way. He's actually saying, right, there may be other people who do that, but that's not what Islam teaches. This is the true teaching of Islam. We try to embody that in the Ahmadiyya community. And it's through highlighting the actual true teaching. That is what impresses people um, when, when that does happen. And that's what draws them in. It's the actual true pristine teaching of Islam practiced in the correct way with the right emphasis and the right areas. That is what draws people in. And that's, you know, that's the... Um, how the community is able to do that. It's not that we have a different belief. It's we're showing the, the accurate true belief in its true light. Yeah, and one of those beliefs he elaborated on uh, shortly thereafter was that Islam does not teach that one should fight for their own rights, but Islam says that one should strive to fulfill the rights of others. Striving to fulfill the rights of others will result in the establishment of peace and and a society of love and affection. This is exactly what we need in the world today. And how many times have we heard this yeah. being spoken uh, from uh, the the mouth of, of the caliph uh, himself in, in almost every speech where he right. gives to an external audience it's about not about fulfilling your own rights not looking out for yourself but looking out for your neighbor looking out for your fellow human being looking out for those around you yeah establishing absolute justice he's highlighted how a lot of the conflicts in the world are due to injustice initially causing this inequality causing anger frustration friction whether that be between um, you know, countries that have been split up, whether that be through races, through apartheid type systems, whether that th be through inequal treatment of the rich and the poor. It's that inequality that causes the gap that leads to the tension that causes these challenges, this feeling of injustice, which then extremist groups can target and can utilize to cause these problems. So he's always highlighted absolute justice as the as the defining principle that will help eliminate this inequality. Yeah, he then went on to share some examples of this uh, by showing the efforts and, and talking about the efforts that the Ahmadiyya Muslim community is making when it comes to service to humanity, uh, particularly mentioning African and South American countries, talking about the schools, hospitals, uh, and the, the means of providing water for, for people regardless of their faith. So this is another important point is um, that there are some groups that may only look out for their own needs or their own people but we as the Ahmadiyya Muslim community we go into Africa and and South America and other parts of the world uh, and 
create something that's going to benefit the whole society. And it kind of ties back to what we spoke about earlier when we're talking about neighbors and communities. And His Holiness elaborated on the fact that 80% of those who benefit from these services are those who have nothing to do with the Ahmadiyya community. They are those who are Christian or belong to other faiths. Yeah, or no faith as well. And exactly, there's no discrimination when these services are, are rendered. So, you know, we've had some, unfortunately, there's been some recent well, every few months or years we hear of different um, you know, atrocities or different natural disasters or earthquakes or floods, etc. And, you know, Humanity First is the, uh, uh, the charity that the community um, is strongly linked with and associated with. And that through that arm of the community, there's been so many efforts um, in different countries to establish these things. You've mentioned a few that few were mentioned by His Holiness around providing water or schools or hospitals and also, uh, you know, electricity to villages even uh, you know in the remote areas so that they can have the you know the basic needs that is everyone's back to the right everyone's a kind of human right that they should have that yeah one thing i noticed Arif, in preparation for for this show is that his holiness listens very very attentively to the speakers that come up before him because one pattern that i noticed um was that he would take points that those people had made and then kind of tie in what he was saying to those. So if I remember correctly, somebody mentioned something about women's rights in this in, in this talk. Um, and don't don't quote me exactly. But then His Holiness spent quite a bit of time in this speech in Carbon specifically talking about women's rights. He said that the teachings of Islam and the Holy Quran are that women should be treated with kindness and should be shown the highest level of courtesy. The commandment of the Holy Quran is that just as men have their sentiments, so too do women. Just as men have desires, so too do women. You should regard women with honor and respect and strive to fulfill their aspirations, indeed within the boundaries of Islamic and religious teachings and under the guidance given to us by the Holy Quran, women are also permitted to pr practice religion freely. Many of our Ahmadi Muslim women practice as doctors, engineers, agriculturalists, economists, and various other professions. Many of them also travel abroad and render services and dedicate their lives in this cause. In this respect, women are afforded all their rights. Similarly, women have rights to own property and have been given all sorts of rights in Islam. So His Holiness felt it important to uh, elaborate and, and communicate to the audience on hand in Carbon that the rights that Islam gives to women um, are on equal par, if not more so, than what the West gives them. Absolutely. Like, uh, and, and again, it's, this is probably a show, another show in itself, and I'm sure our, the ladies' team on the Path to Peace show have probably done uh, speak, talks on this, shows on this topic. But if you just look at the, um, the ability to open your own bank account, just to have your own wealth, I think it was the 1900s that that became law in the UK. Prior to that, a lady wasn't able to open a bank account without her husband's permission. Whereas what Islam has always said is that the, the money that the, the the husband earns is something that it's he needs to use that for the family. The money the woman earns is hers. If she chooses to give that to her husband and share it, that's fine. But actually, she has no obligation to share that money, that income. So in ways, you know, they were given uh, increased rights. Uh, and, you know, and that was right from the early teaching of Islam, like nearly 1500 years ago.
Yeah, I jokingly refer to that as reverse discrimination because <laughs> a lot of people think that that women in Islam are oppressed, but it's actually, if you think about it, I mean, I I, I remember uh, talking to my friends as a, as a kid, and, and and they would always ask me like about why you don't have a girlfriend or why you don't um, go out on dates and all of that. But as part of that discussion, one way I would respond is that look, um, w- once I get married. Uh, I'm married to this woman, but this woman actually has so many more rights to to her money. Like I can't touch her money, and especially when you tell women that, they they find that unbelievable, right? Like that's unheard of. And in in the West today, it's usually half and half, right? Yeah. You split the bills, you split everything in half. But in Islam, as a man, we're not allowed to touch anything yep. that our wives make. But in the same way, but in the same sentence, the we the man has the obligation or the responsibility to provide for the family. So this makes sense. I just looked up the date. It was actually a lot, a lot more recent than I realized. I thought it was 1900. It says banks required married women to get their husband to sign the authority before they could open an account. This remained unchanged in the UK until 1975. Wow. So that it shows, you know, this is very recent change, despite the introduction of Married Women's Property Act in 1882. So it, it mm. seems like it was literally 1975 until... Uh, a woman was able to open a bank account and a married woman was able to open a bank account in her own name without requiring anything from a husband. So it's, it's interesting. Yeah, fascinating indeed. So His Holiness continued its address in Weiblingen on the 5th of September 2023 talking about education uh, in mosques and how uh, we are taught various things just to kind of open up uh, the discussion if anyone had any doubts around okay what actually happens in the mosque His Holiness elaborated on um, how we are taught to become good citizens and their different programs and various things that happen in um, a mosque and a, that is a community center uh, he spent some time talking about society as a whole forgetting God and uh, wrapped up by talking about loving one's nation uh, and a little bit more around what the prophet of Islam Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of God be upon him, uh, mentioned about seeking education and that the Holy Prophet said that it is um, that it is the obligation on every man, woman, man and woman to go and attain uh, an education that is not for one or the other, but for both. And women have just the same amount of rights. Uh, and then uh, that address uh, concluded and there was a short intermission in the inaugurations for the annual convention, where, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, His Holiness uh, gave four addresses at the annual convention, and we've discussed uh, some of that on another show right here on the Pathway to Peace, so we invite you to uh, find that on SoundCloud. You are listening to the Pathway to Peace show here on The Voice of Islam. Be sure to follow at Voice of Islam UK on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Use the hashtag VOIPs to send us your thoughts, comments, and feedback. Moving on, 9th of September, Frankenthal. Uh, the mosque was inaugurated with the name of Noor Mosque, uh, which Noor translates Arf to light. To light, light. yes, yeah, spiritual yeah. light, yep. Uh, Mosque of Light. So His Holiness mentioned that this mosque has been named Noor Mosque and that the members of parliament also alluded to this. So again, what I mentioned earlier is His Holiness did a really remarkable job of finding particular points that people before him that went up to speak, that the guests and the parliamentarians went up to speak um, and tied his speech in directly to what uh, they had mentioned. And uh, His Holiness said that the member of 
Parliament had alluded to the name, the Holy Quran states that Allah the Almighty is the light of the heavens and the earth. If Allah the Almighty is the light of the heavens and the earth, then we as religious people are commanded to adopt the attributes of Allah the Almighty. Hence, if Allah the Almighty is light, then every Ahmadi, true Ahmadi must strive to spread that light. This light translates to fulfilling the rights of Allah Almighty and His worship and conveying the true message of Islam and religion in light of His teachings. Religion does not teach us to quarrel, argue, or fall in dispute with one another. Rather, religious, religion teaches us peace, tolerance, love, affection, and harmony. And he continued on uh, with this topic for uh, a few uh, more minutes before moving on to the next one. But again, the theme throughout a lot of his addresses over the last two decades has been about what we always talk about on this show, I feel, RF is Hakukullah, fulfilling the rights of God and fulfilling the rights of man, isn't it? And also, and then uh, what I really liked was the, that sent those two sentences. I want to read them again. Like they just encapsulate so much teaching. He said, "Religion does not teach us to quarrel, argue, and fall into dispute with one another. Rather, religion teaches us peace, tolerance, love, affection, and harmony." Such a simple two sentences. But if you know, he didn't say Islam. He said religion teaches us these things. So it's a universal thing that all of us should be able to agree on, whether we're, you know, those of belonging to a particular faith or even those of no faith, that these are the things. This is how you build a peaceful society. It's something all religions in, encourage and teach us as well. So he's highlighting that we should be able to get on with each other. That's, you know, we really need to focus on doing that because, you know, this is what we uh, this is what we need. Yeah. And uh, this address in particular, His Holiness alluded to the dangers of war. Now, this... Uh, has often been talked about in in His Holiness's speeches at the annual peace symposium, where he talks about and, and more recently it feels like it's getting more and more frequent. But now he even mentioned it at the inauguration of uh, the Frankenthal Mosque, the Noor Mosque, on the 9th of September, 2023. He said that uh, we must prevent wars. We are swiftly heading into a war. And so, and so we must reflect. The only means to safeguard against this is to, again, he mentioned, fulfill the rights of one another and rid, and rid of all forms of extremism and oppression in society. The Holy Quran teaches us that even the enmity of a nation should not cause you to abandon justice. You must establish peace. You must establish justice, sorry, because this is in fact righteousness yeah now if we look at the world today you know so he also his holiness mentioned specifically that there's government representatives here and he took that opportunity to highlight this specific issue around the danger of war there's been campaigns or, or uh, in the uk where we the community have given out leaflets and, and distributed flyers talking about stop world war three and and you know, things are still progressing. Things are still moving in the wrong direction. If you heard in the last few weeks, there's been talk of meetings between North Korea and, and Russia, for example. So these formations of blocks uh, in the world, which His Holiness has spoken about for a long number of years, they're continuing to to happen. For blocks are being formed. You know, people are at global level being divided into these different factions. And it still feels like we're in a very sensitive uh, you know, um, period because there is still unrest in Ukraine, for example. Um, and, you know, the, the rhetoric isn't really being um, isn't really reducing. There's still uh, it's still a very dangerous time. And, you know, His Holiness always when he, he doesn't give up these opportunities 
to highlight these messages and you could see he, he noticed there were people from the government and he wanted to make sure that message was you know delivered to the the german officials there as well around the dangers of what can happen here uh, and you know he talked about how it would let, lead to paralysis of in, in the world it would lead to ruin economically cities etc as well and even previously he's highlighted the the environmental impact as well from war destruction and things like that there's a huge price that would be, we would pay so Uh, yes, a very sobering reminder for everyone. Yeah, he spent quite a bit of time on this. He talked about the weaponry that 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 can be used in wars is such that will cl- cripple future uh, our future generations and children will be born with severe disabilities. Mm. Millions of people will be wiped off the face of the earth. Qu- quite a a scary uh, picture that's been painted, but but a very realistic one as well. If if anyone that studied history and looked at World War Two. we see the the dangers and the damage that has been caused by uh the atomic bombs that were dropped on on uh Japan mm. and his holiness um went on to say that hence in in this regard we must strive and make efforts to establish peace love and harmony on a small level and on a large scale too to draw the attention of our governments towards this it it was interesting to me Arif and I'm interested to hear your thoughts on you know oftentimes we hear this kind of stuff in in um the peace symposiums and whatnot but for it to come at a mosque inauguration in germany what do you think's changed yeah i think his holiness is very specific around where, what he delivers and when so there must have been specific people he mentions explicitly that the government representatives yeah. here so that would probably that you know we can only we can only speculate but i imagine that that would be one reason why he chose the opportunity this officials from the government there and it's a message he's repeated globally you know you've highlighted before when he spoke on capitol hill as well when he spoke yeah. in the united nations in different places this topic about the dangers of war is something that has been mentioned you know globally and germany is one of the major powers in the world as well right and we know previous world wars have germany's been there's has been involved heavily in those areas so it makes sense for him to highlight this it's to to germany a country that was is sensitive to these topics is aware of them has suffered in the past from a you know from these events um and you know there's it, i'm sure the message would have resonated with the people uh, you know people there as well it's a uh, you know they should be able to see where this is going um and but it's something you know it's not something he only delivered in germany it's something he's consistently delivered in every major um country really in every major continent when he's had the opportunity to speak at this level and then you know the, the why would it be um at mosque inauguration it's like you know the the mosque symbolizes peace it's about trying to you know bring people together the the opposite of peace is war and it's a very extreme example of what happens when we we don't have the things we were just talking about earlier but we don't have you know um peace uh here, what, let me find the quote here it was around peace tolerance love affection and harmony which you mentioned this is what religion teaches so the opposite of those is effectively you know war in my in my view yeah yeah that's a good a good analysis you are listening to the pathway to peace show here on the voice of islam radio be sure to follow at voice of islam uk on twitter instagram facebook and tiktok using the hashtag voip peace to send us your thoughts, comments and feedback. Now we have been moving quite rapidly. We have so far covered four of the five inaugurations. We started the show uh talking about the first inauguration in the town of Florstad on the 20th of August 2023. Uh f- straight after that on the 30th of August 2023 in Carbon, another mosque was open and his holiness addressed both of those took a break. for uh, the Jossa Salana where he delivered four addresses then 
traveled to Weiblingen, where he talked about education uh, at a mosque at mosques that takes place, uh, society forgetting God, love of one's country and education. And then we just wrapped up a discussion on the uh, inauguration in Frankenthal at the Noor Mosque, where His Holiness talked about the significance of Noor, meaning light, uh, and the dangers of war. Uh, the tour towards the end um, wrapped up with a final inauguration of a mosque on the 11th of September, and this was the Khabir Mosque in Funkstad, probably my favorite name of them all, Funkstad. Uh, his Holiness yet again inaugurated uh, another mosque, a beautiful mosque. And there are pictures of all of these mosques that you can see on the Review of Religions uh, website if you type in just the name of the city. Good luck spelling Funkstad. But uh, <laughs> if you type it in, uh, you can find an article. And in those articles, there's beautiful pictures of all of these mosques as well. Uh, and who knows one day very soon or if we will see a uh, picture of a hundred mosques in, in Germany, which will be quite an amazing feat for the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. Uh, but His Holiness, as we heard recently as well, I'll just mention this quickly, uh, in um, his uh, address to the Ladies Auxiliary Organization just recently at the annual Ishtima, or the annual gathering for the ladies, mentioned that just the the hundred year mark, or I would say he would probably say the same thing about a hundred mosque mark, is nothing unless we're actually fulfilling the rights of the mosque. And we've we've talked about the rights of the mosque earlier in the show as as well. So um, just something to to keep an eye out for in the coming years, uh, the day that Germany, inshallah, God willing, hits uh, the target of a hundred mosques as set out by the fourth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. Now at the Khabir Mosque in Funkstad, His Holiness uh, started by uh, with something very interesting, and he mentioned the significance, the deep historical significance of the town. This was something very different, I thought, Arif, in that he said uh, to the gathering there that we have to uphold the traditions of this historic town as well as its legacy, and so we shall continue to make whatever efforts that can be made to honor the local traditions of this town. What do you make of this? So I, it reminded me, so this idea of maybe Muslims being insensitive to local traditions or maybe trying to change it, I was thinking, where would that fear come from? And it reminded me around um, the year 2000, 2001, I think it was. So the Taliban, do you remember, I don't know if you remember this, they, at one stage they were destroying statues of the Buddha. So there were statues from the 6th century, Buddhas of the Bamiyan, were being destroyed using like guns, anti-aircraft fire, because the Taliban declared them to be idols. So they went around destroying this. So there was this, there was this bad symbolism that was being put out there that the Taliban, which people often you know, link with Islamic teaching, they claim to be Muslims, it kind of made them think that, okay, this is what Muslims think. You know, They go into an area where there's culture, there's history, there's maybe statues and monuments from thousands of years. And what they do is they try and erase that history and destroy it. So that might be where this kind of misconception is coming from. So it's interesting that the very first thing His Holiness mentioned in the speech is that you know, we will pr- try and preserve the historical significance of this town. We're not here to try and erase it in any way, but we'll look to uphold the traditions of the town. And I, that comes back to, you know, is, is Islam um, compatible with 
with the, you know, the history and the culture in, in other religions and, and other countries. And as you'll find, if it's practiced truly, it absolutely is. They're not in the things do not compete with each other. It's, you know, there is a cultural background heritage to a particular area, a particular land. You know, Islam allows is universal. People from all backgrounds can practice it. Um, so I think it's interesting. That is where he began with. And it sounds like from the description he moved on to saying that when you come out of the mosque, there's fields, etc. It sounds yeah. like a, it's got its own unique charm in that area. So I really like that they highlighted the preservation of that as a key as a key thing because the the locals are probably you know there's unusual unfamiliar people coming here they're trying to create a mosque what's going to happen to our surroundings is a quite a normal human fear i guess so it was nice that that was addressed right at the start i liked i liked how you drew the analogy of the the taliban and what they what they unfortunately are doing with some of the culture and the history of whatever town or city that they occupy they're they're almost destroying it and his holiness is reassuring the members of the public in Funkstad that um, this is not going to be the case with us. And I, it reminds me of what he said in Guatemala as well when he inaugurated the Nasser Hospital some years ago, is that all the money that's raised from the hospital will go back into the country itself, um, alleviating the fears that oftentimes uh, major powers come in, they build stuff, and then they reap the rewards themselves rather than giving back to the country or the the nation where they're building. So His Holiness, um, you know, in a, in in a small town of Fungstad, compared to a large large country of Guatemala, gave that same reassurance uh, that we will preserve the history and that everything that comes from this mosque will remain in this society and this community as well. And apparently the the oldest buildings in the area in Funkstadt date back to 735. Wow. Okay. So it's, that uh, gives it's us some context. Clearly has a lot well. of history behind it as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the next part of the speech that he gave in Funkstadt to inaugurate the Khabir Mosque there on the 11th of September 2023 was really interesting. And I want to spend a few moments on this because... Um, I, I really this was really heartwarming to me. So uh, I have a passage here and it's, it's, it's quite a lengthy one, but I'll read it. Um, His Holiness said, as soon as one steps out of the mosque, they see fields. Indeed, the cultivation of land is dependent upon water. And if there is no water or rainfall, then the land becomes barren and the crops are ruined. Recently, the heat waves in Europe have caused numerous wildfires. The USA witnesses the outbreak of such fires every year. And this time, there was a huge wildfire in Canada and also in some parts of Europe. A slight change in the weather not only impacts the cultivation of the land, but the wildfires also destroy the existing vegetation and crops. Thus, the farming of land is dependent upon water which descends from the skies. Then His Holiness continues, Similarly, we firmly believe that this is the same with one's spiritual life. If water does not descend from the heavens, then the souls become spiritually dead. Hence, since the creation of the world, Allah the Almighty has ordained that His divine, that His divine law, that He sends His prophets at intervals. This is what we learn from our own history since the time of the prophet Adam, peace be upon him, that people have come from Allah the Almighty who provided us with the spiritual water and thereby nations continue to be spirituality, to be spiritually revived and the spiritual crops continue to be cultivated. Thus, we ought to ponder in light of this what our lives have, that our lives have an objective and we have to strive to remain spiritually alive. We have to establish a living bond with Allah the Almighty, 
who is our creator, unquote. This was just beautiful, I thought, Arif. It's just like drawing the analogy of crops and how they need physical water to kind of how your soul needs the spiritual water and how throughout the course of, of human history, God has sent the spiritual water just like he sends the physical rain down from the skies. He sends spiritual uh, rain down in the form of prophets and messengers uh, to keep us spiritually alive. How beautiful is that? And, and it's, what's even better about it, so I agree, what's even better is that you may, we've, we've heard that analogy, that analogy of uh, food from heaven or water from heaven descending down and, and the crops analogy, that is something you find in, dif- in, in, you do find it in different faiths. However, he starts off by linking it to current affairs and recent affairs, current news. Hmm. So the, the first tie-in is very down to earth. It's talking about wildfires in America or in, in Europe. He's talking about in the U.S. specific wildfires. Like so, it actually draws you in, and also he physically locates it to the mosque right there by talking about once you step outside the mosque, there's fields. So it's even more complex than you were like uh, alluding to the the literally literally kind of uh, mechanisms used here. You're taking something very specific, very tied in time and a location you're linking it to a, maybe the ultimate spiritual concept of of you know that blessing that revelation descending down from the heavens and how there's a need for that to be continual and uh, i don't know if you mentioned it really here but we, you know one reason we believe in a promised messiah and a promised um you know reformer in the later latter days is that that rebel that need for rain water hasn't gone away there still needs to be that rain so that is why we believe that Based on prophecies, someone came towards the latter days, the, the promised Messiah, Hazrat Mizzah Ghulam Ahmed, peace be upon him, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. It was to continue that, um, you know, this idea of spiritual water, fresh water coming down to help, you know, continue to sustain the crops that are there and revive the ones that have withered because it's been so long since they were last, they last had that water. I mean, as you were speaking there, Arif, I, I realized that kind of a sub-theme to this show uh, where we've been discussing five speeches of His Holiness uh, given in Germany uh, during his tour in t- 2023, is it's really a lesson on how to give a great talk, isn't it? Absolutely. Over and over again, we've been saying, I think me and you spoke about this, right? We were, we were lightheartedly talking about the amount of preparation, for example, that goes into a one-hour radio show. Hmm. So we talk about the amount of time you do the prep, et cetera. It takes over a period of days. You you pull together sources, et cetera. And then we talked about His Holiness has the Friday sermon every single Friday. And then we were saying, well, think about the Jalsa, the annual conventions, where he has longer speeches multiple times during those three days. This time you've also had five additional speeches on all linked to a mosque opening. Yet you obviously can't repeat the same things again and again. So he's had to had to put together, you know, five different areas, different types of um, speeches that will appeal to an audience, which in some cases historically, or at least previously, were hostile to the community. Mm. So it's not only that you have to have something new and interesting for the Ahmadis, the, your membership, but also to capture the interest and to inspire the, those outside the community who maybe have never been to a Muslim event before. So it's incredibly difficult and complex. And you're right, it's, it's we've been treated to a masterclass of these in a very condensed period of time. Yeah, absolutely. Continuing on in the speech delivered in Funkstad, uh, ironically, the name of the street that the mosque is on is named Peace Street. And His Holiness made specific mention of this and actually uh, gave a prayer to, to those that were there in attendance. Uh, and those listening across the world. He said that, I pray that not only this street, but every street of this town may lead towards peace through the message of Islam. May the attention of those residing in every house of this town 
become drawn towards peace, love, affection, which the world is in need of. And then Arif, he went on to talking about interfaith respect and dialogue by giving the example that I know you love. So I'm going to let you share this. It's about the Christians of Nadran. I think you, yeah, I do. I think you mentioned it more than I do. But yes, so this is the example of when a Christian delegation came to meet the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. They came from the city of Nadran. And uh, it came to the time when it was the prayer time. The Christians were asked to take leave of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, because they wanted to offer their prayers. They wanted to go and, and pray. And he said to them, there's no need for you to leave. Feel free, you know, in this mosque here, you just you're, you're free to pray here, just as, uh, you know, the Muslims would be as well. So that opening of the, the, you know, the doors of the mosque, not only just to have a dialogue and to maybe show them around, but to openly say you are able to, and you are free to pray here as well. That is a, a lesson that's been there for all of us as Muslims to kind of follow and, and replicate. Yeah, that example is one that, that will never be forgotten. Our good friend, Dr. Craig Constantine, talks highly of, of that example as well uh, when referring to the Christians of Nadron. His Holiness continued then opening up um, a brief dialogue about the idea of integration. And uh, I love when His Holiness talks about this, and he clearly he always clearly defines it, and he, he, he tells the audience what integration truly means it's not about going to nightclubs and 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 drinking as majority of western society does these days but his holiness defined integration as something that uh integrating in one's country is for one to work towards creating an atmosphere of peace and brotherhood in society it means that if an enemy launches an attack then to be the first to stand up for its defense. And this reminds me of another address His Holiness gave in uh, the town of Philadelphia at the mosque opening there where he he addressed the crowd and said, we will be the first to wipe away your tears. Um, I mean, you know, that that is true integration, being there for your brother, being there for society, your community, and going up to bat uh, when uh, the time is, when it's necessary. And His Holiness alluded to, if there's an enemy that launches an attack, be the first to stand up and and defend it. And it reminded me as well, there was recently um, an exhibition. It was at the Birmingham City Design of Arts, Faculty of Arts, Design and Media, with an exhibition called Stories of Sacrifice, which was commissioned by the British Muslim Heritage Center. And it was to mark it was an exhibition devoted entirely to the Muslim contribution to the First World War. So it had uh, many historic photos as well, which showed, um, you know, Muslims uh, um, based in India, um, basically those who were contributing and supporting, you know, the Allied effort during the war. And it was highlighting how, you know, those of, of origin elsewhere that were in uh, British, how uh, British Muslims contributed to, to uh, supporting in the World War, which is often maybe not really uh, emphasized. Yeah, and His Holiness wrapped up his address in Fengshad, spending some time on, again, on women, something we've talked about earlier, but particularly here, or if he mentioned this because somebody made a comment before uh, at the podium that they don't see many women there. So His Holiness made it a point to mention that not only do I see women in front of me right now, but if you're asking about the Ahmadi Muslim woman, be assured that there's a whole other side where they're there and you're welcome to go. Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was really, really... Um, heartwarming and and probably took uh, some of the crowd by surprise in that, you know, His Holiness addressed it head on and said, you said this, 
Well, I'm, I'm telling you that now yeah. I see women here and there are also women on the other side. So as we wrap up here, Arif, uh, coming to the end of the program, any, any final thoughts? Yeah, the openness with which he addressed that lady who who raised that uh, objection. Uh, I don't know if it was a man or a woman, actually. He raised the objection about, I don't see many ladies here. I mean, it shows the community is so open. He also, he actually said to them, feel free to go and speak to them and ask how they how they feel they're being treated. So I think he encourages that open dialogue and opening up our mosques to the wider community is a key part of, of opening mosques. Yeah, so as we conclude this edition of the Pathway to Peace show here on The Voice of Islam Radio, we have delved into five profound addresses by His Holiness, the fifth caliph, Hazrat Mirza Masur Ahmed, the worldwide head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. May God strengthen his hand. These addresses have illuminated the path to a world filled with peace, harmony, and love. Throughout these five remarkable speeches, His Holiness has shared invaluable insights on how to attain inner and outer peace. He emphasized the importance of serving humanity, fulfilling the rights of others, establishing a strong bond with your Creator, God Almighty. His Holiness has consistently underlined the universal teachings of Islam, promoting interfaith harmony, unity, and the value of dialogue among different religions. We've learned that the true essence of building mosques lies not only in the worship, but also in serving the community and upholding the rights of God's creation. These sacred places symbolize the radiance of God's light and the promotion of peace and tolerance. As we reflect on these powerful addresses, let us remember that the pursuit of peace is a collective effort transcending borders, cultures, and beliefs. Let His Holiness's words serve as a beacon of hope and inspiration, guiding us on our individual journey toward a world where peace reigns supreme. Thank you all for joining us here on the Pathway to Peace show on The Voice of Islam Radio. Until next time, for Arif Khan, this is Sufyan Faruqi saying Assalamu Alaikum wa Rahmatullahi wa Barakatuhu. May the peace and blessings of God be upon you.